This here is a very unique episode, and it's very timely because Mother's Day was yesterday. And, uh, of course, you're listening to this on a Tuesday, so two days ago. And uh, so I thought, who is a mother that I know that could, like, come on for a kind of Mother's Day-themed episode? And I thought of the mother that uh, is in my life. My wife, Caitlin, the person who keeps this household going. And uh, I thought, you know, I've, I've wanted to have Caitlin on in the year, in years past. She's like, no, I'm not doing that. And so I kind of expected that today. And she may be wishing that she uh, had given that answer at this point. Um, but uh, she kind of surprised me. She's like, oh, all right, I think I could do that. And so I could get her on for a pick and bones episode. And... Uh, I thought, you know, it'd be a cool conversation to kind of get her perspective on uh, parenting with a hunter. And uh, there's a lot of sacrifice. Let's be honest here. If you're listening, you're a hunter and you have kids, hunting requires you to be without your kids if you want to have uh, significant success. <laughs> let's, let's just say it that way. Um, I have had success while the kids have been in tow. Um, I think uh, I've shot maybe a pheasant and maybe one quail while one of the kids was riding along behind in a truck while I was walking down, uh, you know, some prairie grass. And I think that might be the only time. I haven't shot any deer while I had a kid in tow. However, I passed on a doe with um, uh, while I was bow hunting with Jonas a couple seasons ago. And uh, he was sleeping on the ground right behind me. And I was standing in some standing corn. And uh, I could have shot that doe. But most of the time, not very successful when I go out with the kids. And so that means then somebody is watching them. Sometimes it's a babysitter, but usually it is the very lovely and very beautiful woman on the other side of this uh, podcasting table from me, my lovely wife, Caitlin. Caitlin, thank you for uh, agreeing to do a Pick and Bones episode with me. Sure. (laughs) So uh, just right off the bat. Um, you know, I promised to be about a 15 minute episode, so we'll, we'll try and keep it to those constraints. But, um, uh, if, if someone, uh, that is in your shoes has to, you know, kind of rise to the occasion of being there to watch the kids so their spouse can go hunting, like what is, what is like you know, the first thought that pops in your head when that's going to become your Saturday morning or your evening after work, like what, what jumps into your head immediately? Depends how much advance notice you have, I think. Why is there like a grieving process that goes, (laughs) that goes with that? Not exactly. Um, I think, I am a planner, so I like to know what my plans are for the day and how the day is going to look ahead of time. And if I already have in my head what we're going to do for Saturday morning, and then all of a sudden you're going to be gone deer hunting or pheasant hunting or whatever, then it kind of, it's frustrating to me. But if I know ahead of time that's what the plan is, then I can just roll with it. Yeah, yeah, Caitlin is good at rolling with it, but that's good. That's good advice for uh, or good uh, feedback for me to keep in mind. So, uh, the the hardship for me is I take life one sometimes one hour at a time. <laughs> I do not, 
I do not look very far ahead into the schedule when I'm doing things. And so uh, that can definitely lead to some last minute notice, but that, that, that's, that's good to know. Um, uh, what, like, do you ever, sometimes I wonder, does the spouse that has to watch the kids, do they wish that they were instead the one ditching the kids with like, do you ever, when I'm going hunting, you're like, man, I wish I had dropped the kids on him and gone and done something <laughs> else. Like, does that ever come up in your mind? Uh, not really, honestly. I don't know. Maybe some people would have other stuff they would rather be doing, but I'm kind of a homebody. I like doing stuff around the house or like going and doing stuff as a family. If I think as a mom, a lot of times you feel like, oh, I just want to get away and be by myself for a while. But then as soon as you're by yourself, at least for me, I like want to text Kent and see what the kids are up to or I'm wanting to hurry back. So it's just kind of a weird dynamic. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. And, you know, honestly, the flip side of that happens when I go hunting is I miss you guys. And uh, when I go on like a hunting trip or something, it's like you're all excited getting up to it. And then when it's like the day before you have to leave and leave you guys behind, it's kind of like, oh, I'm kind of sad now. Yeah. Kent always gets Maybe. cold feet before he goes on a hunting trip. <laughs> but it often doesn't keep me from going. No. <laughs> no, it, it's true. You kind of you kind of start to be like, oh, I'm going to miss it. You know, the kids are changing so fast. You know, somebody's going to be speaking a new language by the time we get back. It's it's uh it's all this stuff that that goes into it. So it is kind of a it is kind of a two way street in that way. Um, let's talk maybe a little bit about kind of like what we do that we like a system that we've found that works. You already alluded to that a little bit when you talked about the advanced notice. Um, I think another thing that if I'm going to give myself any credit for here, if there has to be babysitting lined up, I'm good at getting that lined up myself. Would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would say so, but as you should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, I mean, like that's the low hanging fruit. So getting, getting the babysitting lined up yourself definitely needs to be kind of like the starting point. If you, if you're going to be doing a, you know, going hunting and and uh if your spouse can't be there to watch the kids or whatever don't leave that for them um another thing i like to do and this helps this helps uh replenish some brownie points i loft i oftentimes like to come home bearing gifts from my <laughs> hunting trips whether it's stop somewhere and bring home ice cream or uh, candy or uh you know like some kind of fun plan hey we're all gonna go do this to kind of like comp that time that i got to have fun and enjoy i think i do a pretty good job with that would you agree yeah i think so that and that helps because then i don't know it just smooths things over a little bit maybe <laughs> yeah it kind of helps uh kind of helps uh smooth over the the bad graces for getting home super late um one thing i think i don't do very well Actually, you know what? Let's let's not do that. Let's, I'll I'll add on if I feel like you didn't name something. What's something you think I don't do very well with? Like when it comes to hunt, planning hunts where you're gonna have to watch the kids or somebody else is gonna have to watch the kids. 
I think your main thing is you always think you're going to be able to get more done in the time that you have mm-hmm. than you really can. So you'll you'll be like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this all packed up in about an hour or so. And then about three and a half hours later, you're still like <laughs> gathering your stuff. Or... Um, I don't know, like with the turkey hunt this past weekend, you're like, I'll be gone a few hours. So then you're gone a few hours hunting, but then by the time you get back with the turkey, get the thing cleaned, get it packed up in the freezer and everything else, and like get all your sopping wet clothes in the washing machine, like it's been more like five hours. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The the aftermath or like a blood trailing, uh, Caleb and I, we were out that, uh, one night this last year until I think it was 2 a.m., wasn't it? Something uh, crazy, yeah. Following a blood trail, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, stuff like that. And, and honestly, you can't really plan for that either. Yeah, right? and I mean, I understand that, you know, you have to get the turkey cleaned. And obviously, I was really happy for you that you got it and everything. But it does add, like, extra time. And sometimes you can plan on that. Like, yeah. you can you know, realize that it's going to take longer to pack your stuff or longer to drive or whatever, and make sure that you can plan around that. Yep. Yep. Um, do I ever go too often? Do you feel maybe once in a while, but then you're pretty good about figuring out that things are that you need to like scale back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I try to do that. And I think here's another little tip. If like, there's sometimes when you just got to be in the woods, like when it's prime antler drop time and you're a shed hunter, you got to be out shed hunting. So one way you can, you can kind of work that out is you buy yourself a baby backpack, man. And you put that kid on your back and you get those other two that, you know, that are old enough to do most of the walking on their own. You put them in a pair of, uh, you know, I like to call them gum boots. Caitlin thinks I sound like I'm from like the 1700s when I say gum boots, <laughs> but uh, that's what we called them when I was a kid. Put them in some gum boots and send them out and uh, get them walking with you. And you can take your kids shed hunting with you. You won't get as many miles, and that's for sure. But um, you'll you'll at least be out there and scratching that itch. And uh, you know what? I think I found more sheds this year with my kids in tow than I did. Uh, without them in tow and it wasn't because uh, they are such keen shed hunters it's just because i the way our schedule worked out this spring they had to be along with me if i was going to go shed hunting and so that's another thing that i think uh, can be really helpful though is if you have been taking a lot of that time by yourself to go out hunting try and do a couple hunts with the kids like include them and that's good for not just your spouse but i think it's good for the relationship with your kids too yeah definitely i think that it's good for them to like see what you're doing when you're not home and kind of understand why you love it so much yeah yeah if you you know most things like i think most ways that i saw parents growing up and even now you observe other parents the way they parent um when they were really passionate about something and they wanted their kid to be really passionate about it, it was kind of like force fed to them or the parent just didn't include them and they did it all the time themselves. So like for, let's take hunting and, and apply that dad goes bow hunting 
all the time without the kids. And then he, he really wants his kids to be into bow hunting because he's really into bow hunting. Well, if they're never included on, in on it, let's think about what that bow hunting represents to them. There may be a, a high here and there where dad brings home a deer and they get to get a couple pictures with dad and the buck, but mostly it just represents dad being gone and living life without, you know, dad around or mom or whoever, right? Grandpa, grandma, uh, the, the, the point here I'm trying to make then is if you want them to like get into it themselves, I think you got to take them along with you on occasion, allow them to have their own experience with it as well. I think, I think that's really helpful, but also it's good to be cognizant of like what their limit is because one thing, um, that I think you struggle with sometimes too, is you want to go as far as you can go but then sometimes like the kids are by the end are just like so worn out and tired and muddy and they just are hungry and ready to go home so it's good to quit while you're ahead um, and make it a good experience for them and not like make the end sour yeah yeah that's that's a good that's a good point too and i definitely am guilty of that however i do think this too like i think it's good to push your kids past their limit a little bit and find that sweet spot where you're not just letting them wimp out of everything because if you let if i mean if wimping out is like the if you give a mouse a cookie book if you allow your kid to wimp out once Whatever their limit was then, you can go ahead and roll that back about 10% to 20% the next time. And they they know the magic words to say. And uh, they know, they know. oh, I, I have thorns in my shoe again. I can't walk anymore. They knew that was the magic word to get back home and watch bluey or whatever they know they know those are the magic words i'm going to be pulling that card you know as soon as i can so you got to push them a little bit and you get but you're right you can't go too far then they hate it and and that's that kind of goes back to the analogy you know with like sports and stuff a parent forces their kid to do something all the time Mm -hmm. they're gonna hate it so yeah that that's a that's a really really good point now as uh, we kind of wrap up this conversation here, there's a lot of good tips built in here. Um, just as being somebody, now you've hunted with me a few times. We've had some really fun times actually doing that. We need to do that more. Um, trying to get Caitlin here back out for a deer hunt with me again. Means yeah. some babysitting finding for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We have to find some babysitting to do that. But um, So you've done a little bit of hunting with me. Do you feel good that your kids are learning how to hunt? Like, do you, do you, is that like a neutral feeling to you? Or do you ever think about it and be like, you know, this is kind of good that the kids are learning, are learning this. Like what, what's your, uh, what's, do you, do you have any thought on that? Like, this is a good skill or a good discipline that they're being exposed to, or they're getting to know nature better, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's really good for them to um, learn to be observant of their environment and appreciate like being outdoors. And um, I appreciate that you have exposed them to a lot of conservation and learning to take care of the world that we live in. And I think it's important for us, too, to be connected to our food and realize where our food comes from. And that's not just like 
the meat that we're eating, like venison or a pheasant or whatever. It's also like other things like looking for mushrooms or growing food in the garden or like knowing that a chicken actually come like lays an egg. That's where eggs yeah. come from. Like, I think that's important too. Um, because the kids have like, watched you, um, like butchering the deer and, and everything and like see when you bring the turkey home. And so I think they have a good connection to where our food is coming from. I think that's a healthy thing for them. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's good for them physically too, to get out in the fresh air and get some exercise and move around. It helps them, um, to be healthier and it helps them to be healthier mentally too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, those are some really good points there. Yep. For sure. And, you know, it, I think, um, it also teaches them some skills early on and, and, uh, and a little bit like I was just talking about teaching a little bit of toughness. You know, I think, uh, one of the most valuable things that came to me, I've talked about here on a previous, uh, podcast, the one where I talked with a, um, special ops, uh, sniper, we had a, uh, strength and conditioning coach in high school. Cause we went to the same high school. And, um, one of the most valuable things we, he would, I mean, <clears throat> he would break us down in conditioning and weightlifting and stuff like that. And, and, uh, the guest that I had on did such a nice job of describing it as he got you to a place where you wondered, can I do this? And uh, obviously, that's a lot different for a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid and a 6-year-old kid, right? That that threshold and, and so forth. But when you start, like, getting them to point, like, wow, can I climb up that muddy hill and not fall all the way to the bottom? Well, I did that, you know. Can I sit here in the rain for an hour and not freak out? whoa, I did that. You know, they start to build a confidence and an awareness of themselves and, and their, their skills and capabilities. And so I think that that's, that's a part of it too. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really good for them to learn, um, that they can do the hard things if they set their mind to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then of course those moments when it's all golden and it all lines up and the deer comes in uh, as on a script or something and you get that shot and they're there to witness it or they're there to see the buck get hauled back home or the, uh, when Rasty and I came back with a bear from Montana, everyone's gathered around all the excitement and not just from the kids, from the adults too. I think that's powerful too. You know, um, this year when I, uh, got, uh, my buck this year, and I called grandma and grandpa over and they were all excited to see it. And, and of course you're excited and Caleb was excited. I'm excited. Then it really stands out to him as, whoa, this is a big deal. And this is just out there. I can go and get this myself and, and I can, I can feel significant and I can, I can, uh, you know, hone skills to be able to do this myself someday. You know, I think it gives them a real, um, target to, to aim for in their, their life for, you know, skill applying skills that they may have or, or may look to acquire. So I think it's uh, a great for those reasons as well. But well, I, I talked to you into a podcast and I even talked to you into going a little bit longer than 15 minutes. Do you have anything you want to add on just being a, a like a, like a good rule or, or something that you think uh, spouses should, should keep in mind 
uh, during hunting season or or whatever else like like what they should consider about the other person who's stuck at home or whatever <laughs> um not specifically i think overall like most things just balance is the most important thing for both people like mm-hmm. for me i realized that being out in the woods and hunting is something that you love to do and um then like if you hunt in the morning for like the morning hunt or whatever, then you're like happier to be home and you don't feel like you should be out there and kind of torn for the rest of the day. And like for you, it's important to realize like that time at home needs to happen too. So Mm -hmm. I think balance on both sides is just the most important thing for making it work. Yep. One of the things, one of the Caitlin's best qualities is she is a reasonable person. Everyone in the world should strive to be a reasonable person. You can't deal with unreasonable people. So if you're tuning into this and you're a little bit cray cray, yeah, get that <laughs> fixed. Okay. Uh, you, uh, you gotta be a reasonable person and that's how you can make a relationship survive hunting season when you are parenting, uh, young kids or old kids. Uh, it's important to have that all worked out because if things ain't right at home, they ain't going to be right in the tree stand. That is for certain. So make sure you get that ironed out. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for jumping on and, uh, doing this episode with me. This is one of my favorites. It was, it was kind of fun. I, man, I just, it felt different to be talking to my wife as it should on a <laughs> podcast, uh, than, you know, some, some other guy who, uh, you know, probably smells worse than I do on, <laughs> you know, several thousand miles away on a, you know, video call or something, but this is great uh, having you on. And uh, if you're tuning in, don't forget this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is a uh, man. I just feel so proud to be a part of the team there and uh, working with them. Such a great company, veteran owned, veteran founded. Um, That's right. Bill worked for years. He retired Uh, working in military intelligence and all the skills that he used to keep our country safe and other countries safe. He took that expertise and he put it towards, okay, how do we use intelligence tactics to figure out deer hunting? And so he rolled it into this incredibly powerful app, which you can download for free called Spartan Forge. You can find a link for that in the show notes or on my link tree in my Instagram profile uh, bio area. And uh, you can go there, click on that link, download your free uh, uh, version onto your phone. And then if you want to get some of the other features that are, that are really, really, uh, you know, the kind of set the tone for the industry, um, then you can pay for those those features um, as needed. And so uh, some of those things that you're going to want to look at are the deer behavior prediction and the um, uh, some of the other features that are coming out soon, uh, not just for whitetails, but for other Western species as well, as well. So go ahead and look at that and you get all the weather data as well with those subscriptions and um, uh, even some new mapping features coming out soon as well, I believe. So you can check that out again. Go to those places where I mentioned those links will be and uh, get yourself going with Spartan Forge. 
uh, and uh, you'll you'll be just as impressed with it as I am. I am confident. And then also good old Alex Gruen at East West Hunts. He is another sponsor of this show and has been for a long, very long time. Uh, Alex is just the best guy there is in the tag app business and not just for tag apps for gear rental for general know-how for getting waypoints a hunt plan put together he literally takes the daunting task of going many miles away thousands of miles away in some cases going there and looking at a piece of giant public land getting out there and hunting it and actually having a very good shot at filling a tag The, when you look at first-time Western hunters, in many cases, they have no business filling tags unless they're just a nutso good hunter with a whole lot of time to be out there hunting. If you're your usual situation, which is a guy who's probably hunted one or two species primarily in one state, and uh, you got about a week of time to go out and hunt, the odds are not in your favor of being successful. I'm not saying don't go. I'm just saying that's reality. But if you work with a guy like Alex, those odds go up so well. How well, you might ask? Well, first-gen hunter, right? I didn't grow up hunting. I've only been hunting. I'm, I'm in my ninth season now. And uh, I went out west to hunt for the very first time. And uh, with my good friend, John Rasty, with his first time, and we came back with a bear. And that is not overbait. That is spot and stock hunting. That was a true testament to just how good of a hunt plan Alex had for us. So the proof is in the pudding, people. Go to eastwesthunts.com. Use the promo code FIRSTGEN10. When you go to checkout, you'll save yourself 10% off of that bill. Well, thank you so much to Caitlin, and thank you so much to everyone else for tuning into this episode of the First Gen Hunter Podcast. Please, if you have not yet reached out to me and told me what you think, as they used to say in the old field and stream ep- or, uh, magazines at like the beginning of the magazine, cheers and jeers, reach out to me with your cheers and jeers. I want to hear what you have to say. I love hearing from you guys. That's truly the best part of the podcast. And uh, after you've done that, please leave a five-star review if you haven't yet. I've been seeing those coming in a little bit here and there. That's so encouraging to see. That helps get this podcast uh, recognized by other people who are looking for good hunting content. And as always, everyone, until next time, take care and take someone hunting.